sing about that freedom that we live in. How many of you are free in Jesus? Amen.
Jesus, put a smile on your face. Turn around, tell somebody, you sure look good today. Amen. Let's just greet one another in the Lord, all right? That's good fellowship. If you would, you can find your place and be seated. Brother Martin is going to come give us our announcements. Give Brother Martin a big hand if you would. All right. Thank you. Thank you for being in your place this morning. It's been often said and proven that one raindrop will keep a hundred Baptists away. That was the case. Brother Mark and I would be here by ourselves. So. Um, do we have any first-time visitors here this morning? If you're a first-time visitor, just signify it by raising your hand. Uh, our ushers will just bring you a card. Just drop it in the uh, baskets on your way out. Uh, we do have a full Wednesday uh, slate. Wednesday morning's Bible study in the fellowship hall from 10 to 11. And then uh, Wednesday nights, we do have something for all ages. The youth meet in here. Miss Cindy uh, has something for the little kids. Uh, Miss Mary feeds us at 6 o'clock. And then uh, Bible study for adults at 7 p.m. We also have uh, some great Sunday schools going on on Sunday mornings. I am currently teaching the adults. We're working through the book of John. Just requires you to be here one hour earlier. But I promise you it's worth it. Uh, 10 o'clock Sunday mornings, Bible Sunday school. We do need help for teachers and helpers uh, with the, our children. If you are interested in helping every once in a while, just see Miss Cindy over here. Um, and then our giving can be done online. You do not have to set up a PayPal or the old way with checks or cash. But our um, handle is giving.landmarktyler.com. Also, we need volunteers on the cleaning team. Uh, this past Thursday, I, I work out of the office, came out about 7, and it just absolutely smelt fabuloso. <laughs> it was amazing. I really think it was pine saw, but I'm hoping I can talk the ladies into fabuloso, and then it will smell like 99% of Mexicans' houses. So, <laughs> And I can say that because I are one, so... Uh, we do have an event coming up, a True Girl Pajama Party at New Life Worship Center uh, on March the 25th. We have a sign-up sheet back here. Miss Cindy is the one heading this up. It is for uh, young ladies from kindergarten all the way to 12th grade. It is available to both uh, young ladies and their mothers or really any female that wants to be a part of it. Uh, True Girl is actually a version of the Bible that I recommend for young ladies when they hit like 6th grade to, through 12th grade, so I'm sure it's associated with that. Um, we do have a movie night tonight. Tonight, tonight. 
Uh, it is at 6 p.m. We will be watching The Chosen. Uh, there's going to be free popcorn and candy. Uh, so if you have been coming, just please come be a part of uh, watching The Chosen. I know the No Fun League is going on today. So uh, surprised there's many of you, that this many of you here. So, uh, And also we have life recovery class today at 1 p.m. So that is going on today. Again, thank you for being faithful, and let's praise our Lord and Savior. tell you too that our our policy at landmark is always if you uh, if you don't go it is money is not the issue uh whatever you want to go to whatever you want to attend that this church sponsors if you don't have the money the church will pay for it amen so money is never the issue here amen so uh so yeah if we have uh some young ladies or even moms and dads uh, grandmoms and uh grandmoms and daughters or uh moms and daughters, uh, we will pay for it. If you can't afford it, you don't worry about it. If you want to go, we want you to go, and we will figure out a way for you to go, all right? So that's wonderful. All right. All well, right. Hey. All right, all right. All right, all right, all right. We're going to sing happy birthday to hubby. Yesterday was his birthday, and it was a big one. It was a big one. He turned seven, I mean 60. <laughs> and also, Jared Graham, that normally plays drums, he's out today, but he is... 40 today yes. or yesterday they both have the birth same birthday anybody else have a birthday today or yesterday it's coming up okay okay well let's sing happy birthday here we go happy birthday to me happy birthday to me happy birthday dear mark brother mark brother mark and jared happy Sixty, but I did feel seventy this morning. Amen. So. All right, let's stand. We're going to continue to worship, if you would. Your grace is enough. Amen. Come on, put your hands together and help us out. Thank you. 
Aren't you glad that his grace is enough for it? Amen. How many of you know that we need to have a heart of gratitude? Amen. You can be seated.
this morning would you father this morning we you we just praise you in this place this morning we sing hallelujah lord as we just sing our words fall short sometimes we have nothing to offer but we know that we can praise you at all times, in the valleys and in the mountaintops. We can just continually praise you and pray to you that your will would be done in our life, God. But I just pray right now that your word would be revealed to our hearts. Just show us something that we can just change in our souls, God. A way that we can just see that there needs to be some changes Lord, we all can say we need to talk to you more. We need to read your word more, Father. We just need to cling into you more, Father. But we also need to remember that we need to be a light in this dark world because we have the answer. We have you, Jesus. The way, truth, and the life. No man come to the Father but through Jesus. Lord, be with the children as they go into their place of time of learning and worship God but also be with us we ask this in your name amen and everybody said amen, amen. let's give the Lord one more clap offering this morning amen and uh, if you have children that would like to go to children's church they can meet Miss Cindy over here and uh, Miss April let's give our children our children's workers a big hand if you would always do a great job and uh, I want to tell you I'm glad you're here this morning as Brother Martin said, it is known that rain can keep a lot of Baptists away, but you didn't stay away this morning, amen? amen. And uh, the gates of hell, uh, the, this is the church, and the gates of hell shall not, prevent, uh, shall not prevail against it, and rain ain't going to prevail against it either, amen? Uh, we're going to be here, uh, just so you know, every Sunday, we do this right here. Rain, sleet, or snow, we're better than the United States Postal Service, amen? amen. Uh, we are, you can count on us right here. We will be here every Sunday. Um, I'm going to give you kind of the final uh, New Year's uh, sermons. I've kind of been doing a New Year's sermon all the way through, and we talked about some words. We talked about some dirty words, and that always gets everybody's attention. Oh, the preacher's going to talk about dirty words. Amen. Those dirty words, uh, we, I think I'm probably going to forget some, but they were commitment. That's a dirty word these days. Uh, consistency. That's a dirty word these days. Uh, last week we talked about faithfulness. Uh, that's a dirty word these days.
because everybody, kind of the attitude today is, well, you know what, Brother Mark, I'll, I'll commit if there ain't nothing else going on. I'll be there Sunday as long as there ain't something better come along, as long as there ain't something else going on. And so nobody wants to commit. Even uh, we do these sign-up sheets for all this stuff at the back table back there. And I find I'll go back there and I'll look at the progress of the sign-up sheet. And I just want to tell you, three weeks out, I'm the only one on the list sometimes. <laughs> Two weeks out, there's a couple other people on there. And, uh, and so I start asking people, well, you know, we got this thing next week. Where, oh, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm probably going to put my name on there. Uh, the day before, or I just, I don't want to put my name on there because I, I just kind of got to see what else is going on, and basically what you're telling me is I got to see if there's something better, uh, or if there's something a little more important come along, and so uh, getting a commitment out of people these days is extremely difficult, and then consistency, once they do commit, is even harder, and then faithfulness after they become consistent becomes even harder. And so I kind of wanted to just wrap it up today with this being the last Sunday in January with just a real simple message. Can you read it? Everybody say it with me. One more time. Now there's a famous line from, I believe it's from Apollo 13, where they're trying to save those astronauts, you remember, and they're trying to figure out how to get something to make the oxygen work in the, uh, in the uh, space module. And basically they're going to die if they don't figure it out. And so the line is, he comes in the room and gives them all the parts that they have to create this thing, and he says, gentlemen, failure is not an option. Now, I got to tell you, in that case, what he meant was those men are going to die if we fail to do this. I'm going to tell you today what I'm preaching to you. Failure is an option uh, because we are going to fail. We're not perfect. And so what I'm going to talk about today, failure is an option, but what is not an option Quitting is not an option. The only way you ever fail is if you totally give up. Now, you will fail sometimes, but if you get back up again, you can overcome that failure, all right, because you get it back on the horse. We talked uh, last week or a couple weeks ago about you may fall off the horse a 100 times, and our attitude these days is, well, I fall off the horse one time. What do I do? That's too hard. Shoot the horse. <laughs> Amen. That's our attitude today. And I'm telling you today, we shoot the horse rather than get back up on the horse. And I preached to you that day, it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how many times you fail. The key is to get back up and get on the horse every single time you fail. If you fall off 100 times, get up 100 times. Because you have not failed until that 101st time that you do not get back up on the horse and you say, I quit. That's when you failed. And can I tell you this? It's not about failure. It's about quitting. How many times have you failed? I've failed more times than I can remember. And can I tell you this? I've learned a lot more from the failures in my life than I have the successes. Why is that? Because the failures are etched in my memory. I, I have messed things up so bad sometimes, it, I will never forget it. And I don't necessarily learn a lot of things of what to do. I'll tell you what I learn a whole lot more of. I ain't doing that again. Amen. Uh, I will not do that again. So the Lord knows that, and the Lord teaches you. He expects your failure. Can I tell you this? Almost every millionaire or billionaire has declared bankruptcy at least once or twice before they got to being a millionaire or billionaire. What does that tell you? The key is not in failure. The key is in not giving up and not quitting. 
they, they all had to go, they all had to learn the failures so they could learn what not to do. And so every time they did it, they improved and got a little bit closer and a little bit closer until one day they figured out all the things what not to do from all the failures and they were successful. Can I tell you that the life, the Christian life is no different because how many of you have ever wanted to give up and quit? Don't look at me all self-righteous. Get your hand up. Amen. We've all wanted to quit. I'm the preacher. I wanted to quit. This morning I wanted to quit. Amen. I rolled over and looked out the window and saw that out there. Amen. I, you think I wanted to? I don't. Listen, it is, but I knew you were going to be here. And I know you're coming. You're expecting something. And you're expecting me to give you something. And so whether I feel it or I don't feel it doesn't really matter. Whether I'm excited about it or jazzed about it doesn't really matter. Sunday upon Sunday, with the Wednesday thrown in every week also, I got to know I got to be there because people are counting on me. It's got to happen one way or the other. And people are going to show up, and they're counting on me to give them a word. And I don't always feel it, just like you don't always feel it. All right? I roll out of the bed on Sunday morning, I see this. I want to roll back in the bed just like you do. Amen. But guess what? Our commitment is to the Lord. Our, our, the verse of the day today, if you have your verses, forsake not the assembling of yourselves. Was that a coincidence? I don't think so. God is always on the same page, isn't it? What a day for the verse of the day to be forsake not the assembling of yourselves. You need the church. The church needs you. It's not perfect. We mess up. You may say, well, I got hurt in the church. Well, suck it up, buttercup. We've all been hurt in the church. We've all been hurt in the church. Why have we all been hurt in the church? Because it's made of a, of, a, of a bunch of sorry humans like Brian Scarborough. <laughs> Amen? We're imperfect. We're a mess. I'm a mess. You're a mess. But it's the best God's got. Amen? The church is the best God's got. He didn't say it would be perfect. He said it was there for us to encourage one another. The, and the scripture goes on and says, so that we may spur one another on towards good deeds. Now, does that mean there's not going to be a doofus in there sometimes to say the wrong thing? Yes, there will be. I can guarantee it. Because you think the devil don't show up in church. Can I tell you this? The devil loves the church more than you love the church. Because the devil knows I need to be in the church because I can, I can stir things up. You ever seen the devil stir things up in a church? Then you ain't been very long. Amen. Because the devil loves to stir things up in the church. Can I tell you I've had the devil show up in business meetings? Really loves business meetings. Uh, can I tell you I've seen the devil show up between two loving brothers or two loving sisters, and somebody says something one way, but I hear it another way. And I walk away going, do you hear what she said to me? I wonder what she meant by that. And then the devil gets in here and says, oh, here's exactly what she meant. The devil loves to take what comes out of one person's mouth and between that mouth and your ear, totally twist it around. Amen. So don't you ever think, well, I'm coming to the church and I got my feelings hurt. Yeah, you did. I, I, well, I came to the church and the devil showed up. Well, sure he did. Amen. Because he don't like it. He don't like that you might get encouraged from here. He don't like that somebody's going to encourage you to walk with the Lord. He doesn't like that the, the uh, pastor may give me something today that may help me go on and live for the Lord. He wants to keep you from here. And so it is not perfect. Anybody that tells you the church is perfect is a liar. 
The church is messed up. I will raise my hand as your preacher. Maybe not every preacher will say this, but I am messed up. Thank you. You see, I called him out. Now he's calling me out. Amen. Uh, I, I messed up. I don't have all the answers. There are preachers that want to make you think they got all the answers. I'm the first one to sit here and tell you, I do not have all the answers. I don't even know what some of the questions are. But I do know one thing. God has called me to stand up and proclaim his word and to tell you what the Bible says. I am not to shy away if it says something that makes you uncomfortable. I'm sorry, there's a lot in there. It makes me uncomfortable. But guess what? It's the word of God. My job is to give you the truth. You've heard me say this before. My job is to be the mailman. I didn't write the mail. It's the word of God. I didn't write it. If you've got a problem with it, you need to take it up with God because he wrote it. I'm not the author. I'm simply the mailman. I give you the mail. What you do with the mail after I give it to you, that's between you and God because that letter was to you. Amen? But my job is to stand up here and proclaim the truth, whether you like it, whether you don't, whether it makes you uncomfortable. Uh, we live in a culture today that says, well, I like this part, but I don't like that part. You can't do that. You can't rip the pages out of the Bible, the parts you don't like, and throw them in the trash. If you're going to do that, throw the whole thing in the trash. It is either the Word of God, the inspired, inerrant Word of God, or it is not. And I'm standing on the truth of God. Amen? And if you're not standing on it, then you and I have nothing to talk about. Do you know where the plan of salvation comes from? Do you know where the good news of the gospel comes from? It comes out of that Bible. So if I can't know which parts are true and which parts are not, then I don't even know if salvation is true. So if I'm not going to stand on it, I might as well throw it in the trash. You've got nothing else to stand on. Well, you say, well, you know, maybe I'll just quit church and I will put my trust in this world and in my job. I'm just going to throw myself into my job. You think those people at your job care about you? Listen, we used to live in a culture where men worked 30, 40 years at the same job. And at the end of that period of time, at a certain age, they got a gold watch. They got a pension. And they were honored and they were respected. And then they were told, go enjoy your retirement. Is that the way it is anymore? Can I tell you this? There's no loyalty on their end and there's no loyalty on our end. It's every dog for himself. Can I tell you this? There is no hope in your job. If they fire you and can you or you die tomorrow, they'll have your replacement on the line the very next day. And life goes on. Amen. There's no hope in this world. You may have lots of money. You may say, well, I'm a self-made man. And I can take care of myself. I don't need God. I've got all the riches in the world. Do you know you can be living on top of the world today, and tomorrow morning you get an email or a knock on your door, and they say, hey, we're the IRS. And we just showed up. We just need to kind of come in and take a look at your stuff. Do you know it can all be over? One email, one phone call. What you think is secure and you can put your hope and trust in, it can all be gone tomorrow. There's no hope in money. There's no hope in this stuff. You're not taking it with you. I know the old saying, there ain't no U-Hauls behind the hearse. There ain't no Wells Fargo van behind there carrying your money. You are not taking it with you. You cannot put your hope and your trust in any of these things. So what is something we can stand on? Thank God we have the hope of heaven and the hope of the word of God because it's the only thing we've got to stand on. Amen? 
So that's what you got to put your hope in. Amen? All right. Brother Mark, stop meddling. Let's get to preaching. All right, here we go. You feel like giving up. You got goals. You got dreams. You got vision. You started. Then you hit resistance. Then you stalled out. Then you were making little to no progress. Then you became discouraged. And eventually, you just say, I quit. Ever been there? That's the perfect description of a New Year's resolution, if I ever heard one. Amen? Many of you started one on January 1st. We're down here to the 29th. Many of you, they're already gone, aren't they? Or maybe you've already lasted. Maybe you'll even get into February. Maybe you'll even get into March. Very few will make it to the end of December. Amen? But that's just the way it is. That's life. Uh, we, we do real good for a while until we just, you hit a little bit of resistance or it gets hard and then you just feel like giving up, so you quit. Can I tell you this? It's going to get real personal, but it don't mean nothing if it don't, does it? Marriage is hard. Spouses. Y'all are so religious, amen? I don't care how good a marriage you got. Marriage is hard. Julie, is marriage hard? Say amen, honey. All right. <laughs> Marriage is hard. Marriage is work. And if you do not put in the work, you will get to a point where you will say, it's not worth it, I quit. And it's easy to quit. We live in a culture today that says, uh, well, I'm going to marry you, but the minute that you do something I don't like, or we get crossways, or we hit a bump in the road, I'm out. And that's why divorce rate is extremely high now. And you've got to put the work in. You have to, and I tell people this in, when I do marriage counseling, you do not need to let, in the same way that I'm saying, quit does not need to be in your vocabulary. If you're married, divorce does not need to be in your vocabulary. Because I know a lot of couples from the very beginning, every time they argue, every time they get crossways, well, I'll just divorce you. You keep, you keep on, and you keep on not making me happy. I'll divorce you. And that becomes, it becomes a tool. It becomes a weapon, doesn't it? And we begin to threaten each other. And can I tell you this? If, it, if, it, if you put it as an option, it will happen. The trick is you don't ever let it be an option. And you say, you know what? I am in this. I don't know how you got married. I do remember my marriage. I was very nervous that day. Uh, because that's a beautiful woman back there. Again, that one back there. Uh, I'm not talking to any of these over here. That, back, that one in the back back there. Um, but I was very nervous. But I do remember this. I stood before there, and in the vows, it said, we are here today before God and this assembly of friends and loved ones. And it said that I, and I, we did some vows, and I committed myself to her that I would be faithful to her, that I would love her, that I would honor her, uh, that I would be true to her in sickness and in health, for richer or poorer. Amen. Somebody said I had a lot more poorer than richer. Amen. Uh, you know, all of those things. And then at the end of that vow, you remember what's at the end of that vow? Until what separates us? Until death separates us. That's a vow and a commitment that you made before God and that spouse and everybody that was there. And whether you took it serious or not, God takes it very serious. It is what God calls a covenant. It's a covenant that we made. Amen? So, it's tough. Now, 
Can I tell you this? If you say, well, too late, Brother Mark. Listen, God, his, his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness. But I know many people, they're divorced now. And probably people in this room who would say, you know what? I, I could have I worked harder. I could have I uh, put more in. And I always tell people, I said, you can't control that other person. And it takes two to make it work. And it takes two to mess it up. But I will tell you this. At the end of the day, if you end up divorced, you want to be able to look in the mirror and say, I know that I did everything I could to try to save my marriage. You want to be able to do that. And so, you know, again, you can't control the other person if they don't want to work on it. If only one wants to work on it, can't do a whole lot about that. And you can only control you. That's the very frustrating thing sometimes about marriage. You have no control over that other person. Amen. Believe me, I've tried. Amen. She will not do it. Amen. Uh, she's tried to control me. We, it, it, because... Everybody, whether they admit or not, has control issues. We like to control. And a lot of times why marriages break up is because that control becomes this battle. And we can't control each other. That's a whole other message. Amen. All right. Uh, when you, uh, your marriage may be failing, maybe you've been praying for healing, maybe you have physical sickness and you wonder if God is listening uh, because you're not, you haven't found your healing yet. Maybe your finances are a mess and you don't know what you're going to do because you can't seem to get your house in order. Maybe you have an addiction and you cannot get past this addiction and you wonder, where is God? Why isn't God delivering me from this? Maybe you're raising your children and your children are going the other direction and you don't feel like you can have any control there. Maybe you're just losing hope. And I say this, maybe you just want to give up. Well, I'll say this today. Uh, when you want to give up, pray. Give it to the Lord and let him help you. All right? Many times we have not because we ask not. The Lord says, I want to help you, but I'm a king, not a beggar. If you ask me to help, I will help you. And if you allow me to help, I will help you. Um, quitting is not an option. Perseverance is what we need. Amen? Perseverance means this. It's a drive to finish. And a refusal to quit. We need perseverance in here. So the last dirty word in all this series is that word, perseverance. Uh, it's easy to start. It's very hard to quit. Uh, it's, I mean, it's very hard to finish. And we talked last week about, remember, Paul talking about how he gets to the end of the race and he wants to hear the Lord say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And so that's what I want to hear too. But guess what? It's hard to finish strong. Because a lot of people, by the time they get to the end of their life, they've quit. They've stopped. They're not, they're not serving the Lord anymore. And so quitting is not an option. I need perseverance. You need to pre-decide today. We've been talking about you decide ahead of time. I'm a finisher. When I commit, I don't quit. I am a finisher. Our first scripture is 2 Timothy 4, 5 through 7. And this is Paul at the end of his life. And he's talking to Timothy, who was kind of his his uh, younger one that he was bringing up in the Lord, and he knows that he's fixing to die. He's writing this from prison where he's expecting to get, get his head cut off. He's in there. He's already gone to trial, and the judgment has come down that they're going to cut his head off. So he's writing to Timothy, kind of his final letter, and he says this, But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. 
and I have kept the faith. Now, Paul knows he's facing the end of his life. He knows his race is over. I want to preach this message to you today to say, your race is not over. See, Paul knew his, his race was about over, and he had done everything to be faithful till the very end. But your race is not over. It's not time to quit. And I tell people this all the time. As long as there's breath in your lungs, God still has a plan for you. God still has a purpose for you. My own mother, who's now in heaven, uh, she got to the point she had a stroke. She could not speak, but her mind was still sharp. And I know that she got discouraged sometimes. And I would try to encourage her, Mom, you've always been a prayer warrior. And that's one thing the devil can't take away from you. You may not can vocalize it. You may not do it. But the Lord hears your prayers. You're still a prayer warrior. Keep praying. You can do that from a hospital bed. You can do that even though you can't uh, speak. Uh, the Lord can hear you and the Lord knows your prayers. You keep on as long as there's breath in your lungs. You've got a purpose. And I say that looking at everybody in this room today. You're not done till God says you're done. And when, when the last breath is there, then you're done. But until then, you've still got something to do. You've still got purpose. You've still got something in your life. And a lot of people say, well, I, I just want to quit. And some people, they get older, and they think it's like their job. They think I retire. Can I tell you this? You don't, you don't retire. And you say, well, Brother Mark, don't preachers retire? Yeah. A lot of times, preachers retire, though, and they're busier in their retirement than they were when they pastored. Retire, all the retirement means for a pastor sometimes is I can uh, now I have the freedom to go do those things I never had the time to do because I was too busy pastoring the church. And I know a lot of pastors, they, are, they go on tons of mission trips now. They do more ministry than they ever did as a pastor because they were too busy running the church. And I'm here to tell you, in other words, you don't ever retire from the work of the Lord. What God has called you to do, even if you step down or do it from a different place or a different position... God still has a purpose for you. So even in your retirement, sometimes all retirement means is, and this is the way you need to look at it, because some people, and I, hey, listen, I'm as lazy as the next guy. I'm, sometimes I say, I want to retire so I can just go sit in my lazy boy and do nothing. But can I tell you this? I've had many of my friends, they're already at retirement age, and they say, that's fun for about a month. And then all of a sudden, if you don't have a reason to get up out of bed in the morning, and if you don't have a purpose, your life begins to stink. And then it's like you just want to go ahead and die because you've lost purpose. And so what they discover is I, I may be retired from my job, but all that means is now I've got the freedom to fill that with something else. And so find another purpose. You've got to find another purpose because the people who retire and just lay down, they end up dying real quick. Their body shuts down. Uh, they don't have a reason to get out of the bed in the morning. And so you, if you want to live a long life, even after retirement, keep your mind busy. Keep your heart busy. Keep serving others. It's more blessed to what? Give than to? That's, and now when you're retired, you got more time to do that, to think about other people, to serve other people. Amen? So don't look at retirement as just laying and sitting around on your tail end. Look at retirement as now I've got all the time to do all those things I wished I could have done when I was working, but now I've got the time and the freedom to go do those things, all right? You always have a purpose, always have a purpose, all right? Um, Paul had finished his race, uh, but we are not dead and we are not done. Um, 
There is a quote from a guy named David Allen who wrote a book called Getting Things Done. Look at this. I like this because I believe this is true. Much of the stress that people feel doesn't come from having too much to do. Most of us say, well, I'm just too busy. Uh, that's, that's really not where the stress comes from. It comes from not finishing what they have started. It's not that we're too busy. It's that we start all these things and we never finish them. And the reason we seem so busy is because we have all of these unfinished tasks that we wanted to do in life and we just never finished them. Did you ever start that tree house in the backyard? My kids were little. I think I finally got it built by the time they were teenagers and didn't have any interest anymore. Amen. Uh, you know, all the things you wanted to do and you started and you had, what's the word? Good intentions. Anybody here ever had good intentions? Sure you have. Amen. We all have good intentions when we start those things. But life gets in the way. Things get in the way. We get too bogged down. And we have all these things that we, we started and we did not finish. All right. So let's, uh, let's go. Um, going to finish it up here with what is your unfinished business? What is the thing in your life? What is God telling you to do? Um, and I, I just want to touch on some things today, and maybe I will hit one of yours. Is there a broken relationship in your life? Now, you may say, well, Brother Mark don't know what he's talking about because Brother Mark's a preacher, and preacher's families are all just perfect, and everything goes just the way it's supposed to. <laughs> Amen. Listen, I got trouble. My family is as dysfunctional as your family. In fact, the normal today is dysfunctional. It's just different kinds of dysfunction. My family's dysfunction. There are broken relationships. There are relationships that are not good. And I'm doing everything in my power. Again, it's a two-way street. But I'm doing everything in my power to try and restore those relationships. Is there that family member that maybe you need to go and say, you know what? And, you, and here's, the, here's the issue. You may say, well, you don't know what they did to me, though. And I'm right, and they're wrong. And it is not even a question of being right or wrong. I told somebody this in marriage counseling the other day. I said, do you want to be right, or do you want to have a happy marriage? Did you catch that? Do you want to be right, or do you want to have a happy marriage? Because you can't be right all the time if you're going to have a happy marriage. Of course you think you're right all the time because it's your thought. Amen? But guess what? It it's, doesn't even matter. Right or wrong is not even the issue. It's because you're wired totally different than that other person, and you just see it differently. And you expected them to see it the same way you do. Can I tell you this? That was the dumbest thought ever to enter your head. Amen? They're never going to think like you because the basic line is opposites attract. So that person that you fell in love with, the reason you fell in love with them is because they're totally opposite than you and they're totally wired different than you. The dumbest thing you could have ever thought was, well, they're going to think just like I think. Well, they're going to react just like I react. You are so stupid. Amen? No. It's going to be the exact opposite. All right? Again, I'm just trying to be real with you. So, uh, do you want to be right? And the guy I was talking to, the problem is he's, that, he's one of those guys that he has an opinion and a thought on everything, and he always has to be right. Well, guess what? His wife didn't think he was always right, and now they're divorced. And I said, this is the thing. You can either be right or you can have a happy marriage. You cannot be both because sometimes somebody has to say, you know what? Whether I'm right or you're right, I don't know, but we need this to work. And so I tell you, I love you, and we're going to find a compromise. We're going to find a way around this. Are you ever going to see it the same? No, probably not, because you're wired differently. 
But you can say, you know what? This relationship is more important than whether I'm right or wrong. This relationship is more. Let's say it's a sister or a brother, and you did not agree on something. That's what it is in my situation. Listen, can I tell you this? Restoring that relationship is more important about whether, than whether I'm right or wrong. And I need to restore that relationship. Maybe it's that broken relationship. Maybe it is um, that you, you know you need to share your faith with someone. You know you have a lost coworker, or you know you have a lost family member. And you know that you've needed to share the gospel because you know they need Jesus. But you just can't get the courage to do it. Listen, you never know when time is short. This, this past Christmas, everybody sat at the table. Can I give you a stark reality? Maybe not everybody's going to be sitting at that table next Christmas. Amen? So you can't, you can't live on that guarantee. If somebody needs the gospel, get the courage. Get your courage up and go share the gospel with them, okay? All right, scripture on this one is uh, 2 Corinthians 8, 10, and 11. And in this I give advice. It is to your advantage not only to be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago. This is Paul talking to the church at Corinth. But now you also must complete the doing of it. That as there was a readiness to desire it, so there also may be a completion out of what you have. So Paul was telling a church this. You started some things, you didn't finish them. You need to go back and you need to finish these things. You're good in some things, but some things you're lacking in. And you need to go back and you need to finish these things and become better at them, okay? So here's the last thing. Why does it matter if I quit? Maybe you look at it and you say, Brother Mark... It's just too hard. Living the Christian life is too hard. Uh, whatever it is. Furthering my education to go back to school, that would be too hard. Uh, trying to save my marriage, uh, it's just too far gone. It's, it would be too hard, too, too much work. Uh, start, starting that business that I know that God called me to do, uh, it's just too hard. I can't do it. So it's just easier to quit. Why shouldn't I just quit? Valid thing in most people's mind. Why does it matter? What would it matter if I quit? Because most of us think, well, if I quit, that's, it's, it's only going to affect me. It's not going to affect anybody else. Can I tell you that's a lie? Look at number one, two things. When you decide to quit, you lose, and everyone around you loses something. This same couple that I'm telling the guy, did you want to be right or did you want to have a happy marriage? He's divorced now. And can I tell you this? Uh... I saw him the other day, and I said, how's the situation going? And he said, I said, uh, how are the kids? i got two kids. And the kids, well, they live with mom one week, and then they live with me the next week. Now, who's really losing in that situation? Who's really the loser? Those kids. See, mom and dad think, I couldn't do it. I couldn't deal with it. So I have started me over a new life. So while mom and dad separate, get their own places, start this new life, their new normal, What's those kids' life? I live over here one week, then I got to pack it all up, then I got to go over here, and I live over here in this house another week. And the rules are totally different over here and over here, and I'm confused. Listen, I don't know what people have told you, but, and, and again, there is forgiveness in divorce and all that, but I'm here to tell you if you got a family, fight for it as much as you can because there are losers. And it does affect kids. I know everybody wants to tell you, nah, well, if you get divorced, them kids, they're resilient, they'll get over it. I'm not saying they won't get over it, but I'm here to tell you, it leaves scars. 
Everything that happens in your family and in your household, it leaves scars. Now, let me also say, if, if your spouse was abusing you and there was physical or sexual or uh, even emotional abuse, that also scars everybody, all right? So if you need to get out of it, get out of it. I want you to hear. I know that there's two sides to every story. But I am telling you this. Everything and every decision, if you have anger issues and you can't control your anger and you hit people in your house, uh, that is a problem and that is going to scar everybody in that house. And the, the other spouse, if you don't get your children out of that situation, it will leave permanent scars, emotional and maybe physical. So can I say this? When you decide to quit, when you say, well, I just can't deal with it, uh, no matter whether it's good, bad, or ugly, everyone around you loses something. Amen? If, if a change needs to be made, ch go for it and change it. Amen? One way or the other, because everything leaves scars. And here's what happens. When you decide to quit, you lose, and everyone around you loses something. Uh, Acts 20, 24 says this. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Okay? In other words, a lot of things seem to matter, but can I tell you this? Sometimes you say, well, that won't make me happy. Nowhere in the Bible can you find out that God was more concerned about your happiness than his will getting done. Well, you may say, well, that, that won't be comfortable for me. Nowhere in the Bible can you see where it says God's more concerned about you being comfortable than he is about his will being accomplished. Do you think the cross was comfortable for Jesus? Do you think him knowing what was coming and, and knowing and having to accept that, Lord, I'm going to go through this because it's your will? You think that was comfortable? No. Listen, we need to understand, none of these things matter. Only what stands for the Lord is what matters in life. Amen. And so we must understand that. Here's the, the reason that Paul could find, could finish God's race was that he wasn't running it for himself. He was running it for God. And he had purpose in his life. All right. Number two, the last thing, and I'm going to ask the band to come on back as I preach this one. It says, when you run for God, you keep taking the next step. When you run for God, you keep taking the next step. I want to tell you this story. In 1992, the Olympics were in Barcelona, and there was a British runner named Derek Redmond, and Derek Redmond ran the 400 meters. And Derek Redmond, if you know anything about the Olympics, these guys trained for four years straight to go and run these races, and one race can mean everything, and you've just invested four years of your life, and it can all be over in a moment, one race. So he had spent four years training, he finally gets in the championship race for the gold medal, and Derek Redmond runs the 400 meters, and all of a sudden, he pulls his hamstring towards the end of the race. And Derek Redmond goes down, and he begins to weep. He's on the ground. He begins to weep because you can just imagine the emotion here. He's spent four years of his life training his body and preparing for this one moment, and then he gets to the moment, and he pulls his hamstring, and he just falls on the ground, and he's weeping. And he's probably only about 100 yards from the finish line. Well, in the stands is Derek Redmond's father. And Derek Redmond's father begins to cry as he sees his son, and he knows what his son is going through down there. So uh, he begins, and there's, I believe there's a YouTube video. You can actually go watch this. And so his father 
makes his way and comes down out of the stands, comes down to the track, picks his son up, puts his arm around him, and the father carries his son to the finish line because he was said, son, you've not come all this way to not finish the race. And so I will help you. You're not running this race alone. I'm going to help you. We're going we're to finish this race. And so the father carries his son across the finish line. Can I tell you, you're not running your race alone. God is there. He carries you. If he needs to physically pick you up and carry you, he is there to do it. You never run alone. Philippians 1.6 says this, being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. You are not running alone today. Do not quit. You cannot quit. Quitting is not an option. Your family's counting on you. Your kids are counting on you. Your spouse is counting on you. This church is counting on you. The world we live in is counting on us, whether we realize it or not. Listen, we're like salmon trying to swim upstream in this culture we live in. But can I tell you this? One day, God's going to come back, and he's going to take us all out of here. And you know what else is going to go out of here? His Holy Spirit will leave here too. And the only good thing left in this world will be gone. Can I tell you this? It matters what you and I do. It matters how you and I run this race. It matters whether we keep fighting or whether we quit or not. Do not quit. Quitting is not an option. Why do people quit? Because they allow quitting to be an option. And the last thing is this. When I commit, I don't quit. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? We're going to have a time of invitation. Julie's going to play. And if you need to pray, maybe you're here today and you say, Brother Mark, I don't know if I were to die right now, if I'd go to heaven. You need salvation. And it is as close as a prayer away. Or maybe you're here today and you say, Brother Mark, I used to serve the Lord, but I'm, I'm far away from him right now. Guess what? You need to recommit yourself to him. And once again, the Lord never leaves you nor forsakes you. He is always as close as a prayer away. So whether it's for the first time or whether it's a prayer of recommitment, if that's you with every head bowed and every eye closed, I invite you to pray this prayer with me. Just say, Dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. And Lord, I need you. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And Lord, right now, the best way I know how, I ask you to forgive me of my sins and save me from myself. Now, every head bowed and every eye still closed, I would not embarrass you, but I would like to pray for you. If you prayed that prayer today for the first time, second time, or a hundred time, would you just lift up a hand so I could pray for you? Thank you, brother. Anyone else? Anyone else? We're going to sing this song in just a moment. The altar's open if you need to just come and pray. If you want somebody to pray for you, Brother Martin will be on this side over here. I'll be on this side over here. We would love to pray for you. If you need to join the church, if you need to come and just uh, say, Brother Mark, I recommit myself to the Lord, or whatever you need this morning, Lord, have your will and your way in all of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand if you would. And uh, Julie's going to play. You come as you need to uh, if you need to come to the altar.
for just a second. We have some wonderful decisions to share with you, and then uh, we want to do a special prayer also. Uh, Toby and Brittany, would y'all come uh, stand here with me if you would? Uh, this is Toby and Brittany. They've just been visiting for just a, a couple of weeks, really, right? And uh, they come today and say, we feel like this is where the Lord wants us to be. Amen. And so uh, they come to join the church today. Amen. Oh, yeah. And we got uh, Winter Grace. Is that right? Winter Grace. Grandma, come on. Bring, bring her up here. Amen. This is little Winter Grace. How many weeks? Twelve weeks old. Oh, I'll tell you, th this will melt your heart right here. Amen. Come on. This is Grandma and Winter Grace. This is Laura. Amen. Awesome. Laura, you can stand with me if you want to. Isn't she precious? Oh, man. Come on. The looks of the church just improved 100%. Amen. <laughs> All right. Awesome. We're so glad to have y'all. And y'all stay right here because people want to come by and shake your hand. Then uh, Miss uh, Cindy and Brother Gary, y'all come stand right here. Um, Miss Cindy, many of you know, has had some health issues. And she had a liver biopsy. Uh, when about a few weeks ago, a couple three weeks ago, and so she's going to get the results back from that this this week probably, and uh, so we we need for good results, amen. So they ask, they know the power of prayer, and they know the power of us binding together. So I'm going to invite you as we uh, close today, if you want to come up here and uh, lay hands on Cindy and Gary, and we want to pray for them as a family and as a congregation. So uh, let's all stand, and I want to invite you if you want to come up here and lay hands on them as we dismiss in prayer. We're going to pray for them today and pray a specific prayer that they will get a good report this week. Amen. And then after after this prayer, uh, you be sure and come by and uh, tell Toby and Brittany and Winter how glad we are to have them. All right. All right. Everybody in here, if you can't get in close, just uh, touch somebody else there. There you go. All right. Let's ask the Lord to uh, be with us. All right. Father, we love you. And God, we just thank you. We want to bind our hearts together. We love Miss Cindy. We love Brother Gary. They are our family. They are our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so, Lord, we have a, a bond that's even thicker than blood today, Lord. And that's the Spirit of God. And so, Lord, we pray for our sister. She's had this liver biopsy. She's had some health issues. And, Lord, we need you to give her a good report. We need you to give the doctors and the nurses wisdom and discernment, Lord. We need them to be able to help her to feel better. And again, Lord, we pray for a good report, a positive report, that everything is good. And, uh, Lord, that they be able to have a, a plan of uh, treatment for her. And I just pray that you just give Miss Cindy more strength in her body, give her energy that she hasn't had in a while, and just give her uh, health, Lord. I pray that you restore her to 100% health. In the name of Jesus, we ask it, and all God's people said Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great rest of your day. Amen. Come by and tell these guys uh, you're glad to have them.